Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you, uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5. I know this is going to sound prideful, um, but I feel it pretty strongly. I'm pretty sure the message that I'm about to preach is the best sermon I've preached all year. (laughs) And uh, thanks for the amen there. Yeah. Um, so far, so far, and uh, I, was, I was looking online, a friend of mine posted this last night. She put number one, going to bed early. Number two, not leaving my house. Number three, not going to a party. And below that she posted, my childhood punishments have become my adult goals. <laughs> Isn't that true? Your perspective changes with age. 2016 was quite a year, wasn't it? And if you think about it, I saw a lot of people just posting, um, well, if I was 2016, I'd be offended by what a lot of people posted about the last year. But if you think of it, we had a pretty contentious election, a lot of talk and news the last few days about all of the, the people who passed away in 2016, much of what marked our, at least as a nation, kind of our experience some good news, a championship finally came to Cleveland in 2016, right? For many of us, we welcome 2017. We're, we're glad that the one's done and that a new one's starting. And the truth is, nobody really stands on the edge of a new year and says, boy, I hope I have a lousy year. Right, what do we say? We want a new year. We want a good year. We want 17 to be better than 16, which was better than 15, better than 14. I mean, that's the hope that we have. Nobody wants to have a crummy new year. We want to have a happy new year. We want to have a prosperous new year. We want to have an effective and a successful new year. And for some of you, you're like, look, Chad, it's just another day. January 1st is just another day on a calendar, and, and, and there's no big deal. Maybe you don't do resolutions. You don't think about those kind of things. Here's the bottom line. Whether it's significant to you or not, there is something unique about a day when you go in a certain sense, look, we're starting over. Even mentally, I think it's really important for us to kind of just take a moment, catch our breath, and realize we have a new year that's ahead of us. And if your goal is to have better than a lousy new year, anybody? (laughs) I mean, if your goal is to say, how can 2017 be better than 16? What do you have to do to have a successful new year? If you remember the, the weeks leading up before Christmas, we were working our way through the book of 1 Peter, and we were kind of going a chapter a week, and we stopped before we got to the end of the book. So today we're going to look at chapter 5, and we're going to spend the next few weeks getting back into the book of 1 Peter, looking at some truths that are there that we didn't get a chance to kind of uh, go through so far in this series. But we're going to go back to 1 Peter, and I want you to see something really significant. 1 Peter chapter 5, as we start a new year, look at what Peter writes. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. All of you... Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I told you just a moment ago, I think this will be my best sermon of 2017 so far. It is a sermon on humility, and apparently I need to hear it. In fact, according to what Peter says here, we all do. In fact, he raises this point here that's really interesting, and I think we should consider this as we go into a new year, that humility is the key to success. Humility, he says it right here, that humility is the key to success. 
he actually quotes an Old Testament proverb here, Proverbs chapter three, verse 34, which says, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. See, God has this kind of soft spot in his heart for the humble. Have you ever heard of the phrase that, that someone, he or she, comes from humble beginnings? Have you ever heard that phrase? You know what I want you to have for 2017? I want you to have humble beginnings. To start your year in a way, as we talk about humility, that puts you in a position where you're able to receive God's favor and his blessing. So, so briefly this morning, I wanna share with you three humble truths from these two verses that we've looked at today. Just three humble truths from verses five and six of 1 Peter chapter five, that as we look at this idea of humility and the difference that it makes in our lives, how we can live in a way that will help us to live in God's blessing and his favor as we go into the year ahead. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, humility is an active response. Number one, humility is an active response. Look, there's, there's certain things that I don't think you really feel or have until you actually express them. Love is one of those things. I mean, you can say that you have love for a person, but if you don't actively show them that love, has that love really been given? Now, somehow you have to express it. I think gratitude works the same way. That gratitude, you can say you are thankful for something, but until you express that in some way, until you tell someone, until you write them a note, until you show that in some tangible way, then maybe you've not really expressed gratitude until you've done it. I would challenge you that much like love and gratitude, humility works the same way. That it is an active response. It's not enough to just think in a humble way. You have to act in a way that's filled with humility. Think again about what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now we'll actually go back and look at the, the beginning of this chapter a little bit later in the year. But in the first part of chapter five, Peter starts out by talking to spiritual leaders. And he says to them, this is how I want you to lead in a spiritual way, in, in your local church settings. He's speaking to elders, to pastors. He's speaking to those that are in leadership roles in the church. That's how he begins. And you've got to remember the church that he's writing to here. This is a church that's in the midst of some really, really difficult times. I can tell you, they had a worse year than 2016. They lost more than a contentious election or their childhood stars. They were facing persecution, they were facing struggle. They were losing. For, for some of them, because of their faith, they'd lost everything. So Peter's writing to this church. And then after he speaks to the spiritual leaders, he speaks to the young. It's interesting. He says, those of you that are young, I want you to show respect to those that are older than you. It probably had to do because there was a lot of tension that was in the church. Because where there's struggle, there's often tension. Isn't that true? Sometimes it's, it's when things are difficult in our families or in the workplace or even in the church that tension has a way to work itself in. And then Peter says really something interesting. He says, I'm not talking anymore to just spiritual leaders and I'm not talking to you just based on your age. He uses this phrase in verse five. He says, all of you. He doesn't let anybody off the hook here. He says, if you're a part of the church, you're a child of God, you're a member of God's family, he says, then I'm talking to you. He says, all of you. I want you to think about this subject of humility, which means that none of us are off the hook today, are we? I mean, for some of us, as, as we look at this, there's, there's not a one of us that can dodge the encouragement that we see here from God's word today. At the very least, I think you and I need to give a, a little bit of concentration to the year ahead and how humility might factor into it. And some of us would go, yeah, but I've been around a long time and 
I kind of know, I've got things figured out. I've seen more, I know more. But Peter says, hey, this is for all of you. Yeah, Chad, but I'm tired and life's been hard. Peter says, yeah, but I'm talking to all of you. Yeah, but some of the the old ways, they're just not working. And and I think it's time to speak truth. And, and, And Peter says, yeah, but I'm talking to every one of you here. All of you need to respond in a way that shows humility. Here's here's what he shows us, that humility is not an option. (laughs) It's not this optional thing that maybe I choose to be humble or maybe I don't. He says at the very heart of who we are and especially in our relationship with each other, we need to consider humility. It's not an option. Do you you ever remember being in class and the teacher is, is asking you, like maybe you had reading that was a homework assignment or you've been walking through stuff or you're reviewing for a test or something and the teacher begins to ask questions and oftentimes people will raise their hand if they know the answer but every so often the teacher wouldn't look for the people who were raising their hands. He or she would call out students by name. Do you remember that? Chad, do you know the answer? That's when Chad would panic and freeze up. Anybody else? Man, there's that moment where they call your name. It's, it's terrible, whether you know the answer or not. There's that moment that says, oh, I'm on the spot. Peter just called your name. He said, every one of you, you need to think about this idea, this aspect of humility. And then he, he uses an interesting choice of words. He says, all of you, he says, clothe yourself with humility. He's making it very clear here that humility is not passive, but active. Humility is not passive, but active. I think a lot of times when I think about humility, maybe when you think about humility, we think of it in a sense that's very passive, almost in this way. If I'm not prideful, then I must be humble. But it's really not that simple. Sometimes we have to think more than just humility as the absence of pride. Sometimes we think as long as I'm not prideful, then I must be showing humility, but there's so much more to it than that. Let's talk first about pride. What's it look like? It looks like ego or arrogance or narcissism or self-promotion or maybe a lot like most of the TV commercials we saw up until November 8th. Do you remember that? We see a lot of that. But here's the deal. It's not enough to just not be prideful you have to choose to be humble. That's why he says, you know, oftentimes we think of humility as just putting off our pride. But he says you have to clothe yourself with humility. You have to make a choice in some way to put humility on. Let's say being prideful is going in this direction and showing humility is going in that direction. Understand that, that if you're not moving in one direction or the other, maybe you're just standing still and you're really not going anywhere. And we'll, we'll actually look at that whole analogy a little bit later in the message. But understand this, there are times when we have to realize that it's not enough to just say, well, I'm not prideful. We have to choose to be humble. A person cannot be prideful and still not be humble. Just because you don't think of yourself as arrogant doesn't mean you're showing humility. Let's look at some other scriptures to help us understand what that means. Philippians chapter two, verse three. This is kind of the classic passage from the Apostle Paul on what humility is. He says this, and he's speaking about Jesus as our example. <clears throat> he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own self-interest, but each of you to the interests of the others. Let's start with this. Humility is not selfish. I think at its very root, we have to understand that humility is not selfish. 
If your motivation is being driven by how it makes you feel or how it makes you look, then that's not humility. Now look, we'll always have self-interest, right? We have to provide. We want to achieve. We want to live our lives in a way that fulfills God's calling and his plan for our lives. But when the focus becomes what Paul refers to as selfish ambition or vain conceit, when the value of ourselves or our selfish interests overwhelm those of others, then that's not humility. Look at how the message version says it. It says, don't push away, don't don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. There's something powerful about recognizing that humility means that I choose not to be selfish. And I doubt that Peter ever really thought about humility without going back to that meal, that last supper that he had with Jesus and his disciples the night before Christ's crucifixion. If you remember this, Jesus was probably the most masterful teacher who ever lived, and on that night, he gave them an object lesson that they would never forget and that we're still talking about today. If you remember, this was the time when they all came together and they walked into the room and someone who was usually the lowest in the room, usually a servant, the lowliest, would wash the people's feet who had come in because of the dusty roads of that day, and this was a part of the process. But remember, this is what happened. John chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Without taking time to unpack the whole story, the greatest person in that room And arguably, we could say that Jesus was the greatest person in that room, right? The greatest person in that room chose to take on the lowliest task. He chose to serve. He modeled for them humility. And if you remember the story, do you remember who was front and center? Who pushed back, said, Jesus, you shouldn't be washing my feet. Do you remember who that was? It was Peter, the guy that we're hearing from here who had to speak that truth in that moment. He's like, God, you, 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 what are you doing here, right? And there's an interesting exchange that's there. Two things that I hope that you'll see from this passage. One is this, that humility is rooted in confidence. Humility is rooted in confidence. Jesus responded based on the fact that his life was in God's control. It says there at the beginning what we just read, that he knew who he was and he knew what God was going to do. Oftentimes, I think we confuse where humility comes from. It's rooted in confidence. It's not rooted in pride. See, humility isn't just this good face that we put on our pride. And it's not rooted in weakness. I think oftentimes we we confuse humility for weakness in our lives. The bottom line is humility comes from confidence. If I know who God is and I know who I am, then I choose to respond with confidence and I can live with humility. That's a key thing. He recognized this. Then watch what Jesus goes on to say. Verse verse 12 of John 13. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If humility is rooted in confidence, then humility is revealed in service. Where do we see it? Where does humility really show up? Humility is revealed in service. You know that you're living in a way that's humble when it comes out in your life and the way that you live. So what does it look like? Sometimes humility is choosing not to say everything that you think. Sometimes humility is choosing not to take pot shots online because it's easy to do. Humility is letting others have the first place. Now understand this, it's not failing to do your best. Humility is not choosing not to achieve. That's not humility. When you pull back and don't do your very best, that's bad stewardship of the calling that God has given to you. Does that make sense? But humility is seeing the value that others have and then recognizing that value, noting that God loves them just as he loves you. It's being a conduit for God's love. Humility is choosing to say, please forgive me when you're wrong. By the way, it helps if you mean it, right? I remember those times when our kids would have a little, it happened like twice when they acted like me instead of their mom, right? You know, and uh, more than twice. And you say, now tell, tell your brother, tell your sister, you're sorry. And they'd be like, I'm sorry. They didn't mean it. That, was humil- that wasn't humility. That was just avoiding wrath. <laughs> humility is saying, please forgive me. Humility is putting your spouse before yourself. It's setting others that you work with or that you live with up for success, even while you still strive to succeed. It's honoring those who deserve honor. It's caring for those who are vulnerable. I think one of the best words for humility is teachable. That I'm willing to go, look, there's there's more that I can learn here. You've got something to offer me and I've got something to offer you and how do, we, how do we live in that way? Peter says we are to show humility to one another. That's interesting and I think it's good for us to note because humility is never a solo performance, right? When I'm sitting at home by myself, I'm the most humble guy I know and I'm proud of it, right? But when I'm face to face with you, that's when it gets a little tougher. The reality is humility is proven by proximity. The closer we get, sometimes the harder it is for me to be humble, to show that humility. I mean, I've literally learned, and I don't, I don't know if you've, if you've realized this in your own life, but I've literally learned that, that my, my physical demeanor, my posture is different when I choose humility over defensiveness over arrogance over just a, a, a false sense of, I don't know, pride, I guess. And sometimes I actually just have to catch myself and say, Chad, right now, you're puffing up. It might be good if you just humbled down a little bit. There's times when we have to do that. Peter makes this very clear. That's, that's all of you. Humility is an active response. 
Which takes us to the second thing that I hope we'll see here today. And this is this really key. And this is why this is so important. Number two, humility leads to favor. Humility leads to favor. And I think this is really important for us to understand because sometimes I think when we talk about humility, then we begin to think that somehow I have to shrink back or I can't be in a position where I give leadership or authority. I think it's just the opposite. When we humbly look at our lives and the places where God has called us, then we can step forward and lead with confidence because of where we're at. And we can do that knowing that we have the Lord's favor. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's very clear what we see here. God opposes the proud, but he gives favor. He shows grace to the humble. What does all that mean? Well, let's break it down a little bit. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 25 says this. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he sets the widow's boundary stones in place. Now that doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but understand this, that especially in the time of the Old Testament, boundary stones marked property lines, kind of like fences did. And even more than a deed that's down at the county courthouse in the Old Testament, people believed that their very boundary lines, their property lines were given to them by God. So if you went out and moved somebody boundary stones around, if you changed where, where their property lines were, you were messing with a divine decree. And what kind of person would do that to a widow? Someone who was motivated by pride. And what we see here so clearly is that God opposes the proud because the proud disregard others. This is why, I wondered why, why is God so clear about the fact that he opposes the proud? Because when you're proud, when you move based on your pride, you are disregarding others. You, you don't care about where their boundaries are. You don't care about where their life is. You move forward with what you want instead of responding with humility. When your own desires cause you to respond without regard for others, get this, God's not okay with that. Look at what else scripture says. Proverbs 16, 18 is a familiar one. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Have you heard that one before? My mom used to quote that to me more often than I care to mention. But it's a good truth. Here's why God opposes the proud because the proud disregard God. They don't just disregard others, they disregard God. At the very heart of pride is what? I got this God, really don't need you. I can take care of this on my own. And when I do that, I set myself up for failure. Let's look at the other side of this, Proverbs chapter 11 verse two. It says when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. This is a really interesting truth because humility leads to wisdom. If pride leads us to destruction, humility leads to wisdom. Because when I'm humble enough to say there's more for me to learn, God, I need to learn from you and I can learn from others, then there's wisdom that comes into my life. That, that's a powerful truth. And look at this, Proverbs 15, Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Humility first, then honor follows behind. Humility leads to honor, not just to wisdom, but humility leads to honor in our lives. It comes from God, and so if I'm trying to get it on my own, I'm going to fall short. In fact, Jesus said it in a very interesting way. Luke chapter 14, verse 11. He says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves 
will be exalted. Look at that again, and think about that. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, this is the beauty of humility, that when I choose to pull myself out of the way, that's when I can move forward. Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where you just stumbled all over yourself? Have you ever done that? I don't know, you lose your balance, you trip on something. Sometimes my worst enemy are my own two feet. And this is the point here. You cannot move forward until you get out of the way. You are never gonna move forward until you get out of the way. I have found this to be so true. You know, oftentimes people will catch one of us as a pastor and just kind of be like, hey, can you just help me? I'm having this situation with my child, parent, coworker, spouse, you know, whatever. And, and you start unpacking these situations, my sibling and I, my friend and I, my whatever. And there's these interpersonal conflicts that happen. And what I've kind of come to find out is that in every single one of these, the first step towards reconciliation is humility. Because until I'm willing to humble myself and maybe even just have that conversation, this thing is not gonna move forward. You cannot move forward until you get out of the way. Why is that? Go back to verse five of 1 Peter chapter five. It says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, and watch this, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Now look at that verse for just a moment. It, in the original Greek, it's in the present tense. So it has the idea that it's a constant activity from God. So it means this, God is opposing the proud and God is showing favor to the humble. It's not something he's just gonna do on judgment day. Guess what, he's doing it right now. So he is looking at those who are proud and God is opposing them. And he's seeing those who respond with humility and he's giving favor to them. This isn't just this one-time act that's gonna happen sometime after you're dead. This is the reality of where you live right now. There is a, have you ever driven down a wrong-way street? Anybody, or a one-way street the wrong way? Anybody ever done that? I've confessed that I've done it. And then you just see how fast I can get out of the way, right? It's a terrible feeling. Well, look, this is very clear. There are two streams, there are two lanes. And one is one that God opposes, and one is one where he shows favor. And this scripture says that you're in one of those two lanes, and you know what it's based on? It's based on humility. We went, we went not too long ago on, on vacation to the ocean, and I, I waded out into the water and got to this point, the water was real choppy this day, that there was this, there was this undertow, there was this current, that to be quite honest, scared me. Because it was pulling me out in a way that was stronger than I am as a swimmer. Does that make sense? I did everything I could to get out of that as quick as possible. You know what's kind of more in my speed? You ever been in a lazy river? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those things you get in like at a hotel or pool party resort, whatever, you know, and you get in that little tube and it just kind of moves you along. It's not always slow, some of them are kind of crazy, but you're just kind of going in the right direction, you're moving in that way. Which way do you wanna be? Because pride is an undertow that is going to destroy you. But if you get in the current that God's blessing, it'll take you places that you've never been. 
There's something powerful about this truth. God is opposing the proud. God is showing favor to the humble. So understand this, humility will determine whether you receive divine opposition or divine favor. Your humility will determine whether you receive God's opposition, that's a scary thought, isn't it? Or divine favor. Which ultimately leads us to the third thing that we see in this passage. Number three, humility begins with God. Humility begins with God. First Peter chapter five, verse six. Let's go back and look at this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. It's interesting because Peter in in verse five talks about humility with one another. And then in verse six, he jumps over and talks about our relationship with God. How the only way that I'm ever gonna be able to have humility in the relationship that I have with you is if it starts in the relationship that I have with God. That's where humility comes from. Humility's first step is toward God. If you were to say to me, Chad, I'm not necessarily a prideful person, but I wouldn't say I've been clothing myself with humility. What do I do to start moving in that direction? Humility's first step is toward God. Because you'll never be humble with others until first you're right in your relationship with God. You recognize that he made you. Why? Because he loves you. Because he has a purpose for you. That he's not designing pain for you. That's probably good for some of you to think about. Because I've heard from a lot of people that said 2016 was a painful year. It was a tough year. Whether it was because of the world around you or whether it was because of what was going on around in your world. If you had a tough year, recognize God wasn't just kind of sitting up in heaven trying to think of the ways that he could make this a dark year for you. That's actually a result of the sinful world that we live in, isn't it? You have a God who's up in heaven who's cheering for you, who's pulling for you. And realize that your pain, if you'll allow him to work through you, will bring you strength in your life. You ever been strengthened by something you went through that you didn't want to? It'll bring you strength in your life and ultimately it will bring him glory. Understand this, that's part of the whole point of 1 Peter. He's writing to people who are in a miserable place. And he's saying, look, if, if you understand this, I know it doesn't feel like it right now, I know it doesn't look like it right now, but if you trust God where you're at, in due time you will see he's doing something amazing in your life, so trust him, even in the midst of the difficult times, even in the midst of some of the 2016s of some of your lives. Remember that he's at work in the midst of that, and that he's working in you, and that he's working through you, and that God is on your side. Understand this, it is in God's nature to intervene for the sake of his people. It's in God's nature to intervene for the sake of his people. How do you know that, Chad? The language that Peter uses here is really interesting, because he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. I don't think Peter sat back and said, I want to write something that sounds distinguished. I think I will choose to use the phrase, God's mighty hand. You know why he used that phrase? Because he was describing the God that he knew. Because when they talked about God's deliverance in the Old Testament, 
You know what they used to describe how God did it? God used his mighty hand. Deuteronomy chapter 26 verse eight. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great terror and with signs and wonders. So when he uses the phrase here, you should humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, what he's saying here is you can rely on a God who will go to great lengths because he's on your side. You can trust in him that he may lift you up. And I love it that he uses a little phrase there that says in due time. He does not say in your time. (laughs) He says in due time. Your timing may be different from his timing, but his timing is always perfect. So what does 2017 hold for you? Opportunity or opposition? Great excitement or do you have bad expectations? You looking for more victories or more losing? I don't know what you think when you look at the year ahead. I just know this, that this passage of scripture says to us that humility is this this X factor. It is a key to success in our lives spiritually and I believe in finding God's favor in the year ahead. Yeah, but Chad, but you don't know what I'm up against. Chad, you don't know what this year holds because I got a new calendar but I didn't get a new life. I still have the same, you fill in the blank, but don't say it out loud because you might offend the person sitting next to you. (laughs) New calendar, same life, what do I do? I think Peter knew that that would be your response. Because in verse five he says, show humility to one another, and in verse six he says, humble yourself before this mighty God, and then in verse seven he says this, watch this, very next verse. First Peter chapter five, verse seven. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isn't that a great way to start 2017? Yeah. Humility trusts in God. And so as you go into this new year, no matter what your perspective on it is, I would encourage you to put your trust in God. Let's go back to what we talked about earlier. I I honestly think as you look at this, and especially with the idea of humility, you're really not standing still anywhere. Because you're in a stream one way or another where God opposes the proud and he gives favor to the humble. And I know that for me, and I pray for you too, that I want to be in a place where I'm humble enough to say, God, I rest in you. I don't know if you've ever been to, primarily I see these things in airports or malls or wherever you go that have those moving sidewalks, those people mover things. You ever seen one of those? They're really kind of cool if you think about it, and it saves you, saves you some time and, 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 and walking. You get on one of those things and it just kind of moves you. I've gotten on one of those going the wrong direction. Anybody else? You're kind of stuck at that moment. Oh, that's my gate back there. Now I gotta wait till this thing ends to get back going the right direction. You're doing one or the other, right? You're either moving in a way towards divine opposition because of pride or lack of humility in your life, or whether you see it right now or feel it right now, 
If you're resting in him, if you're trusting in him, if you're saying, God, I humble myself before you and you're living out a life of humility towards others, you are on this divine moving sidewalk that is directing you towards his favor. It's directing you towards his blessing. And I don't know what that'll look like. I don't even know when it'll happen. Scripture just says it'll happen in due time. But what Peter says to those folks 2,000 years ago is I just want you to trust and rest in God. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you and humbly look to him and he will move you in a direction of his favor. And that is what I want to pray for and challenge you to do as well. And so I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And here in just a second, we're going to stand and we're going to, we're going to sing again the, the chorus of that song that we sang. Miko's going to lead us in that song, Build My Life. What a fitting way for us to, uh, to declare our, our humble dependence and trust in God. But before we, before we do that, I, I would just challenge you here in Auditorium 1, Auditorium 2, watching on a screen somewhere. God, what are you speaking to my life about? Where is it time for me to, to put on, to clothe myself with some humility? My relationships with family? The way, I, the way I act at work? Who I try to persuade myself to be at church? Interaction with my friends? God, is it in my dependence on you? Lord, where are you speaking to my heart about showing humility as we go into this year ahead? And would you let God speak to your heart? As we sing this song, would you make this your declaration of humble trust in him in the year ahead?
Father, thanks for your word that speaks to us. God, you don't leave us wondering about um, what you desire from us. Lord, our hope is that in this new year, we would start with humble beginnings and we would walk humbly before you. Lord, may we choose to live our lives in a way that shows active humility in our relations with one another, in our dependence on you, and that in doing that, we would find ourselves in a, in a place where we're receiving your blessing and your favor, knowing that God opposes the proud, but he shows grace, he gives favor to the humble. And so Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor, your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.